Hi, friends. Join us as we dive into the themes, metaphors, and foreshadowing of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We are your hosts, Leah, Sarah, Tabby, and whether you're a new viewer or a longtime fan, welcome to Becoming Buffy. guys welcome back to becoming buffy today we are talking about season four episode nine something blue and we also have a special guest here with us today we have kimberly okay kimberly are you our sister-in-law once removed is that how Uh, we i'm not sure how that works okay so you're my sister's husband's sisters so yes we could say sister-in-law if that's easiest. I mean, I don't mind being related to you guys, so I'm cool. Yeah. With it. Oh, thank <laughs> you. I'm nice. glad, I'm glad you don't mind. <laughs> you all heard it here first. Kimberly doesn't mind being related to us. We have it in. Uh, well, I was gonna say writing. everyone's we have like it in not voice another now. sister. <laughs> like no more. Way too many. <laughs> Are you gonna bring your entire family on here? No. Okay, but you all will best relate Kimberly to um, our, our brother. brother David. You all know uh, like, David is like the one everyone asks to have on the podcast. They're like, when's David coming back? They call him Dave. Um, so Kimberly, her sister, Catherine, is married to our brother, David. I know that's super confusing. You guys don't need to keep it all straight. But basically, we're related to Kimberly. They're going to meet somehow. our entire family. family. We have to post like some podcast. sort of family tree. Yeah. Like, I think us. we might. There's oh, fan this art. Is David. Yep. And we have some listeners that forget that we're sisters too, or just don't know that we're sisters. They like listen, have listened, and then somewhere along the line, we drop the bombshell, and they're like, "I don't know how oh. though. We all sound so similar, and yeah. we interrupt each other. And we interrupt each other. That's 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 what it is. <laughs> that's the number one clue. Without shame, <laughs> um, Kimberly, can you tell us the story of how you started watching Buffy? Because I don't even know the answer to this, so I'd love to well, hear. Well, it was actually because of. David. So I actually tried to watch Buffy when I was like in high school. And I tried it a few times because everyone was like, oh, it's so good. It's an amazing storyline. The characters are wonderful. All this kind of stuff. I could not get past the first episode. I tried like three times. I was like, this is too cheesy. Mm -hmm. Um, The special effects are the worst things I've ever seen in my life. Mm -hmm. Like, I I can't (laughs) do it. Um, And then I met David and uh, I was like, I don't know around college age maybe a little bit after and he was like no you really have to like get past the first few episodes and then if you still don't like it that's fine but just get past the first few episodes and I did and I was hooked like absolutely hooked um so and I'm actually on a rewatch right now so I think I'm in season six so I'm a little ahead of where we're at right now but yeah I'm having a lot of fun I didn't know he was the one dang look at him yeah so proud of David out there evangelizing the word of Buffy to everyone the gospel (laughs) well cool we're really excited to have you here with us i was really excited when i found out you were a buffy fan because i didn't know either um tell us why you picked something blue um it well it's actually one of my favorite episodes it's hilarious um but no i just i really like the humor and it's it's great i'm very excited to talk about it i well i love to hear that kimberly because i personally think something blue might possibly be the funniest episode for me of the series. Like, I just think it's hysterical. And that's not to say there aren't other funny episodes. I think, like, Pangs has its moments for sure. Um, oh, yeah. And I think, like, 
Tabula Rasa coming up in season six has its moments, even though I don't think you all think of this it is, is as funnier funny. than um, Band Candy. Oh, see, that's I a hard. Think one. It probably is. I don't know. I love Giles in this episode. I was about to say, yeah. I was like, any any time where Giles is like doing most of the comedy for some reason, just he does it does it for me. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's just he's such a phenomenal actor, especially his comedy. I was belting out laughing watching this episode because he's so dry and it's great. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Band Candy was a lot more well, – that's not fair to say. Both of them have a lot of physical comedy, but I felt like Giles played more of the straight man, even though like you're supposed to laugh at him. What he was saying wasn't necessarily funny. I don't know. I don't know how else to explain it. But here he was like literally like sitting here like talking about, oh, the three excellent questions or I stop by thinking <laughs> oh, that, so like, you know. that was my – that's my favorite part in the whole episode. <laughs> yes, same. He's like, What? 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 Yeah, Zen three is excellent like, questions. what? How? What? And Giles is just like, three excellent questions. I lost it. <laughs> no, I think I think that Band Candy is hilarious as well. I don't know. For this one, I every single character makes me laugh, though. And I think mm-hmm. in Band Candy, Buffy didn't make me laugh. She was the one that was supposed to be the straight character in that episode. And what this what one, about the one where she's driving? She's like, do you know the, the um, break is on? She's like, Mm-hmm. <laughs> she pulls it down. <laughs> that part made me laugh. Right. But Buffy's the one that had to keep everybody all like all the characters yeah. moving. She had to keep Snyder and Giles and her mom like together as adults. I miss and so Snyder. Oh, I hated Snyder. So <laughs> gross. What a gross little I stand man. Snyder. Oh, I think the fact that the he worst. was so gross and so bitter made him funny. Yeah, and the the funny thing too is that like by the time like we got to the end of Snyder's run, you fully understand why Snyder is the way he is, why he's so bitter. Like you get you it, but you're like punch him in the face. Yeah, no, you do. Yeah, but yeah, you also that's like, why he's a good character. He's funny. Leah has very interesting taste. But <laughs> okay, so before we jump into the episode, just a PSA for you guys. So normally we would be releasing our next episode, Hush, on November 24th, but that is actually American Thanksgiving. And we're going to be taking a hiatus that break, both becoming Buffy and investigating Angel. So next week we will have Hero on investigating Angel. And then the week after that, there will be no episodes. And then everything will resume back on December 1st. So no episode on the 24th, but Hush will be released on December 1st, just so you guys know. But all right, let's jump into it because I really cannot wait to talk about this episode. And I'm really excited to hear some of your guys' thoughts on um, certain characters. So let's jump into it. All right, Something Blue, written by Tracy Forbes, who we talked about earlier. She's actually the writer of Beer Bad and Where the Wild Things Are, two of the worst episodes of season four, Mm -hmm. as well as this episode. Um, Most likely the reason why this episode is as good as it is is because Douglas Petrie is listed as an executive story editor. So I'm fairly certain that he had a heavy hand in writing this episode, um, and that's why it is as funny as it is. Um, and that's probably why this episode wasn't as bad as Beer Bad and Where the Wild Things Are. That's so interesting because usually when like there is a writer or like a director for an episode, if they do multiple episodes, they kind of have like a certain flair, like a certain yeah, I don't know something that's recognized. Style. Like, who's that one girl who like always has these weird twisted like oh Marty Knoxon? Yes, every time she does an episode, I'm like, I can recognize it. Same with like every time that um, Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon. I'm like linking on everyone's actual important people's names. But like 
every time he does an episode, I'm always like, it makes sense. Like they have like a t- like a style. Mm-hmm. There's like nothing recognizable about her episodes. They're all very different. Right. And I think that's because they're heavily edited. I know Beer Bad was heavily edited by Joss um, to try to make it better, but he just made it funnier. I would be really curious to see who helped edit Where the Wild Things Are when we get to that episode. So yeah, I think there's a reason she didn't come back after season four, unfortunately. So directed by Nick Mark, um, something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue, and a sixpence in your shoe. So the title of something blue, I think everyone is aware of, you know, the whole something blue thing that you say when you get married. Um, it was supposed to help ward off the evil eye way back when people were a lot more superstitious. Um, it was supposed to help prevent infertility in marriage. Um, and it obviously has a double meaning in this episode, referencing Buffy's marriage or impending marriage and then Willow's mood, which I think is super, super clever. So funnily enough, and I remember actually seeing this when I watched the show, but Allison Hannigan, the episode that she gets married as Lily to Marshall in How I Met Your Mother, that episode is called Something Blue, which is really funny because I wonder if it's a nod to this episode. It's not. (laughs) Leah. Wow. Said so definitively. It's because it's supposed – it's like the whole like wedding thing of like something borrows something blue and I'm pretty sure they talk about it in the episode. But it could have multiple layers, I feel like, you know. Well, they got married in that episode. I'm pretty sure that it's that. But there's a reason they called it that. Like, I'm fairly certain there's probably some sort of a nod to this episode because it is, like, such a big Willow-centric episode. It might not be, but it's very coincidental if it was, you know. (laughs) Leah's like, it's not. Yeah. Receipts, Leah, receipts. (laughs) Oh, um, I'm going to – I'll quit. (laughs) Jeez, Leah. You're in such a weird mood. Okay. So remember, that's when Marshall freaks out and then shaves his hair and then he has to wear the hat. He has to borrow the fedora. And so then Lily's veil ends up getting like smashed in the parking lot or something like that. Uh, Caught on fire. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So then it's like- yeah, I guess we're doing spoilers for a different show right now. I don't know. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I haven't watched- I've watched like a couple seasons, so I have no idea. That's okay. I'm not currently watching it. Anyway, they're both titled the same thing, and Allison Hannigan is in both of them. Coincidence? I think not. Well, there's there's a ton of nods to Willow's character through Lily. Yes. So I wouldn't be surprised, but. Yeah, Leah. Okay. So my biggest gripe about having to record this episode is the fact that we don't have the freaking spoiler section around because there is so much there's foreshadowing. So much in this episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. That's all we're going to say. Lots of foreshadowing. If you know, you know. And yeah. if you don't, well, then keep watching. <laughs> <laughs> and we will definitely be referencing this episode, I think, for the rest of the series. There's just going to be a lot of stuff that keeps getting pointed back. So, all right. The AV Club called this episode a well-balanced episode mixing comedy with more serious reflection on the theme of how there's no easy solution to Willow's problems. Joss says, the idea behind this episode was when a perfectly nice person is in a lot of pain, eventually they take it out on the people around them. It's not that the gang is insensitive, but when you're in pain, you forget everyone else has problems too, which I thought was insightful. It's interesting how insightful Joss can be. And then you hear stories about how he was and you're like, what? Where's the <laughs> Things are not adding up. Yeah. <laughs> it's because the whole idea is about being selfish in your own pain, which he definitely knows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He gets that part. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and then, okay, so my other gripe about this episode, which they're not really gripes, my little nitpicky things, is I think this episode personally should have come before Pangs because Willow spirals pretty heavily in this episode. And in Pangs, she seemed like she was doing fairly well. And I think that could be kind of attributed to the fact that she's Oz's stuff is gone and that kind of was like, oh, he's yeah, I think actually that was kind of the catalyst that caused all that. Because um, during breakups, there can be a lot of emotional ups and downs, and it's not usually linear. So mm. that would be a, probably a really big trigger for her, I would imagine. Knowing like what heartbreak is like is not – it's not just like, oh, here's the top of the hill, and then everything is like downhill from no, now. It's, it's like much it's more a, cyclical. Yes, it's up and down. There's things that trigger it, and I think that – um, from the outside, we didn't really see Willow that much in Pangs. And so from the outside, there's outside circumstances, so she seems normal. And even the beginning of the episode, they said that she's coping well. She didn't like and start Spike spiraling. And who's like, are you guys kidding me? Yeah. You know, he's very emotionally intelligent. He's got a lot of issues, but he is emotionally intelligent. <laughs> True. It's <which is> refreshing. <laughs> um, but she didn't start spiraling until she saw the apartment. It was right. cleared up. Um, it's something that I had never really like pieced together until I watched the episode this time, like in conjunction with also doing Angel, is that this this episode obviously is subtextually about Buffy getting over Angel. She just came back from seeing Angel and I will remember you. And while she doesn't remember all the stuff that happened there, she did see him for a few minutes. And like she tells Willow in the cold open, like this was really hard seeing him just for those few moments. And it kind of shook her. Um and this episode is dealing with Buffy's pain over Angel while also addressing Willow's pain, which I really, really love that we kind of have two things going on here. Um, Mark Field talks about how Willow deserved better in her friends giving her time to get over her grief, saying Buffy and Willow tend to cope in different ways, and they struggle sometimes to recognize that the other person is is actually trying to cope, but just in a different way. Um, Buffy avoids other people while Willow tries to eliminate the pain. In my experience, says Mark Field, people are inclined to see their own coping strategy as normal and to be less sympathetic to different strategies, even to see them as quote unquote wrong. If people don't cope in the way that people are comfortable with, then like they lash out in ways that like Buffy was heartbroken, but she also was like very mopey and wasn't being very outward outwardly talking about yeah she's isolating herself yeah Yeah. and so people were a little bit like worried for her um because she wasn't like outwardly making them uncomfortable they were just kind of like a little bit alarmed by her lack of personality pet for whatever yeah of a better phrase but with willow it's like word vomiting and getting drunk and like just Making them uncomfortable because it's not what they're expecting. Well, they're not expecting that out of Willow, so they're getting uncomfortable. So they just want to feel comfortable around Willow again because she's not acting like Willow, which is a very selfish mindset. Yeah. Well, we can go ahead and jump into it and then talk about each situation as it comes to. So, I feel like kind of jumping back into the whole Oz thing after Pangs is like, oh, okay, we're we're coming back to that because I feel like it was like, oh – rip off the band-aid Oz left and then like a funny episode and then we didn't talk about it and then we're like straight back into it so starting the episode off in Oz's like dorm slash apartment I think it's dorm right do you live on campus it looked like he lived in an apartment off base off base off campus can you tell I live on a military base (laughs) (laughs) it could be off campus housing well, you see Willow inside his dorm room slash apartment, and she's just kind of like looking, keeping up with his stuff. And then we kind of cut back into like the lounge 
Um, Riley's putting up a banner that says Lesbian Alliance. He makes a joke that he's lesbian now. <laughs> ha ha ha. Good job, Riley. <laughs> it's kind of hilarious because we forget that not only is Buffy trying to hide her slayer side from Riley, but Riley's also like hiding the initiative. Because like we had that one episode. <laughs> I was say hiding his sexuality. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor for Riley as something to hide. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised him and that one friend who's absolutely in love with him, bro. You guys say that. Forrest is not in love with Riley. Forrest has a massive chip on his shoulder. For- Forrest is I think is misogynistic and has some some women issues. Yeah, but like, sometimes and I think he like, loves Riley. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Sure. Think that all you want, but like it may it's very one-sided cuz Riley has eyes for Buffy alone, man. His dialogue is so cringe. <laughs> it's so bad. I love Riley, but man, I oh, just I can't. don't. I know yes, nobody does it. Really. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love the Riley. Only one I've done the for Riley. I think he just has awful dialogue, and they're pushing him too hard on us. I just I don't yeah. like that. They I will say they definitely set him up poorly because they really just. Oh don't, my gosh, do they ever? They I feel like they try so hard to get you to like him that you're like I hate him now. He's shoved down our throats, dude. Like it's too much. So listen, the first thing that Joss said to um, Mark Lucas when he hired him was, congratulations, you've got the job. Don't go online. Don't see what people are talking about. He says, because everyone's going to hate you. He told him, everyone's going to hate you. We're, we want you to just lay low for the first couple of episodes. We're going to try and set you up as best as we can. Because he knew, like, you're coming after Angel. Everybody's heartbroken that Angel has gone. And we're basically going to give you the best foot forward that we possibly can. So the reason why they're showing him rescuing Willow, they're showing him, like, punching Punch Parker. Parker. You know, like, all this stuff. is They're trying to set him up because they want him so badly to replace Angel. But what it does is we all feel like they're just shoving him down our throats. So I mean, that's probably a big reason why Parker was part of the story as well, so that the next yes. guy wouldn't seem too mm. terrible. I think that's And I mean, I every, right. Parker is universally hated. Like, there's not one yeah. person who's like, oh, Parker's actually a decent guy. It's like, no. Whereas you yeah. have your Riley stands, you don't have any Parker stands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. He's like, oh, I have to do prep prep work before I talk to you because you're such a mystery. Oh <laughs> gosh, I want to puke. <laughs> He's like, I bet you get a lot of bad guys saying that to you, but really, there's a lot about you that needs puzzling out. Okay, just- no, the, the part that I was really cringed about was he says, oh yes, I've been known to do a little prep work before a conversation. It's not easy, you know, talking to you sometimes it's like an oral exam. And I was like, okay, was so like, for mm-hmm. all the crap we give about Riley about what he says, this does feel like, I feel like this is a weird thing for him to say. And I feel like they're only putting this in there because they want to show that part with her in the wedding dress. It's trying to like set up that Buffy has said weird things like this before. So that at the very end of the episode, Riley's not like, hey, um, so what was that? Instead, he's like, oh, that's just Buffy. Like, what? Um, Kimberly, have you heard the fan theory that like, Buffy's not going to be herself or act like herself if her hair is like really crimped and curly. Oh, I have not heard that. Though I did immediately mm-hmm. notice I was like, oh, her hair is crimped. And I was watching it with Catherine, you know, um, David's wife slash my sister. I was prepping and watching this episode with her. And I was like, oh, I like her hair. And Catherine was like, her hair is terrible. So, I mean, we <laughs> definitely <laughs> the hair. <laughs> but that's interesting. No, I'll have to watch out for her crimped hair in other episodes because, uh, yeah, it, it's definitely noticeable. But I had not put it together with the plot at all. 
Well, the reason why I bring that up is because she's Buffy right now, but she has crimped hair. So I was curious in what you guys think that means. Do you think that's like a kind of like hint for the episode or? I don't think it's anything. The entire episode, she has the same hair. At, like, even no, at the well, end I actually Riley. noticed that when she's having that picnic with Riley, I was like, oh, her hair doesn't look so good. So I think, <laughs> you know, maybe when she's with Riley, she's, you know, it's not really it's herself. Just normal, boring. Like, I'm sorry. Ugh, I can't really. <laughs> um, <laughs> uninteresting, uncrimped hair, Buffy, you know. Well, it's a huge, huge, I think they did this intentionally, is a huge contrast to her hair in I Will Remember You. I will remember you, her hair is completely straight the entire mm. time. So I think they're trying to show, hey, like, Buff, this is Buffy trying to move on from Angel, trying something new. And yeah, I think that there's a reason why she looks so drastically different. Mm-hmm. That would make sense. Trying on shoes that don't fit. Doesn't quite look right. Oh, I think they fit. I think she, she it's good luck being, you know, getting away from Angel. With Riley? Well, no, no, no. That's what I meant. Like with Riley, is like she's trying on shoes that don't. Oh, fit. I thought you meant the hair. She's trying on Riley. She's trying on Spike. Like she's trying, trying a couple on. different people this episode. Yeah. Um. So in the graveyard, she's talking to Willow about the picnic that Riley wants to take her on, and kind of mentions that like she saw Angel for five minutes, and it like just kind of brought back a lot of the pain that she felt in the relationship. And she's talking about how like Riley's great, but dot dot dot. She's just nervous and also just kind of wondering that if love goes hand in hand with pain and passion, which I feel like is something that we all have kind of asked ourselves at one point. Like, it's like, can I truly fully have like a love and passion for somebody without also feeling pain at the same time? Because it's like, I've been in situations with guys where it's like, they're really nice and I have feelings for them, but there's nothing really there. Um, and I also haven't really have been in a healthy relationship. So it's like sometimes it's like, is that, you know, do is there a way to kind of like marry the two? And I think for Buffy, she's in that place in her life where she's like, well, Riley's really great, but I'm not sure if I'm feeling everything that I felt with Angel. But with Angel, there was also so much pain and everything that went with that. So I'm very curious what you guys think about this conversation. Well, I think with Angel, the pain was more from external circumstances than problems necessarily within the relationship and problems between them. And I got to give it to Angel and that relationship like their issues were not nearly so much with each other they weren't like in a bad relationship it wasn't toxic um they had you know i mean they couldn't really be together else angel would lose his soul that's a that's a really big outside pressure um and you know they're always fighting demons and vampires and whatnot so i don't think buffy necessarily equating romance with that kind of danger is bad or wrong because it's not like the kind of wrongness that can occur um like between two people if that makes sense it's more of like thriving with outside pressures and also being good with someone with within that circle if that makes sense no yeah that makes Mm -hmm. sense i think that this is something that this is how toxic cycles happen right you have people that see their parents in really abusive situations. And you often have um, people that come out of that look for relationships that are like that because it feels comfortable. It feels safe. Um, But that doesn't mean that that's positive. And so I think that I have a theory, and this is based upon what I've seen with the rest of the show, but 
Um, season four, I think, is a big season of Buffy trying on, like we just said, new shoes. And I think this is Buffy trying to have a normal life. And I think that she, as a slayer, there's a part of herself that she doesn't quite understand yet. And that slayer side of her really it has a lot of pain and fighting in it. Like the fact that she has to go kill demons, has to go kill vampires and all that stuff. So I think that sometimes there's this sense of Buffy, like she needs a relationship that is a little bit more dangerous and is a little bit more, um, like can relate a little bit more with the Slayer side of her than just the human side of her. And so I think that what Buffy is trying to say here in this moment, but she doesn't recognize yet at this point is like, there's something missing in Riley. Like she keeps saying like, I like him, but it's like, do you, it sounds like you're trying to convince yourself. Like, can he relate to her on the level that she needs to be related to? Because she is so unique. Yes. She is the Slayer. She doesn't yet know everything about what he does. And so it's like, yeah, he's a nice guy, but like he can't even get on my level, basically. I, I agree. I don't think it's about like, I I mean, pretty much what Kimberly's saying. And I think what Tappy was saying, too, is just like. I don't think it's about necessarily attraction or like needing like a dark side, but I just, I think it's about shared experiences and shared connection. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like even on like a basic level, if you have someone who's been through like, you know, 15 relationships and they've all been like really hard or really taxing or really emotional. And then you have someone who's never been in a relationship before. It's not like it couldn't work out, but there's a bit of a roadblock because they have so many differences. Right. There's not just a mutual understanding of basic things about you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Where it's like, Riley's nice. I mean, he's got those arms that are really nice to have. And all that kind of thing. Like, no <laughs> red tall. flags. But I don't know. Yeah. Is he on her level, basically? Yeah. And I think that as season four, like, will show us and stuff, like, there's a going to be a common theme throughout the season of, you know, it's identity. Buffy's going, I'm trying to like, I'm trying to figure out how to say all this without spoiling all too much. But like, I think by the time we get to the end of season four, Buffy's going to realize that the human life, she's outgrown the human life. That's not what she wants and desires. Um, or not, I guess I should say that's not what she wants. That's not enough for her anymore because she's embraced her Slayer side so much. Um, and so like, I would arguably say, season five, we see peak Buffy. Like she's really embraced mm-hmm. the Slayer side. And um, that with that comes the recognition that there is a darkness in her that needs to be understood um, that comes from the origins of being a Slayer and stuff. So I think that when she's talking about, you know, pain and fighting all this stuff, I think it's easy for her to equate all of that stuff with her relationship. Um, and she needs to kind of sort that out and figure it out. You know, I think this is also trauma speaking though, too. I think like she's only ever known pain married with comfort and happiness. And we've only ever seen that in the show from her perspective this entire time. It's like anytime Buffy is happy, the next episode (laughs) it's taken away, you know? She's like totally ever known the whiplash between those two things. It's like, we've rarely seen her be able to sit in happiness, um, and let it stay. Um, but I think like when you're talking about that, Sarah, like it just reminds me of that whole conversation and helpless with Angel and Buffy where she's Mm -hmm. talking about like, even if I had no powers, I know what goes bump in the night. Like I know what happens out there. I couldn't just let it stay that way. Anyway, good conversation, you guys. But I think this part is really funny because she goes like, oh, like I know it's nuts to be part of 
Um, but part of me believes that real love and passion have to go hand in hand with pain and beating. And then a vampire comes out, she stakes it, and she's like, I wonder where I get that from. Right. And I think, again, the, it's intentional that they have her spelled to be with Spike in this episode because, like, you see, like, the very next scene is, like, her and Spike fighting. And you mm-hmm. you almost see more passion between her and Spike in that that you, you do in that bathtub than you see with her and Riley in the picnic yeah, later absolutely. on. Oh, and absolutely. I think there's a reason why they have them together because I think it's supposed to be, at this point, it's like a, hey, like, Buffy is attracted to, even though it's a spell, Buffy is drawn to the the passion, the fight, the like the the pain because that's what's familiar when like the thing that she should be going for, what the show is telling us, Riley should. is right there. In quotation you know? marks. Should. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I also think that this episode is a bit of a detriment to Riley. Or Riley's character. Yeah, unfortunately, and because, I don't think it meant to be. <laughs> no, it didn't. Because they had really good chemistry with Spike in this episode. Yeah. And I think that it really it hurts Buffy's relationship with Riley does, because yeah. when yeah. you see Buffy have such good chemistry or Sarah Michelle Geller, whoever, whoever it was, <laughs> like have such good chemistry with the person that we're not even supposed to be rooting for. And then it's like every scene she has with the actual love interest is like bland. It yeah. just it makes you really not root for it. And honestly, I didn't even really get that feeling until this episode. I was like, man. Yeah, it's been fine up until like even like at the end yeah. of the um, – was it the initiative? Like I was yeah. like, oh, there's some good banter here when they're on the yeah. bench. And then since then I'm like uh, – But every scene with them in this episode yeah. just feels so cringy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really bad. Okay. All right. Let's keep going. <laughs> They're like they have Spike tied up in the bathtub. They're trying to get information okay. out of him and the initiative. Sorry. He's refusing. Why is Spike in the bathtub? <laughs> of all places, because I'm trying to think of like Giles' apartment. It's not big. It's like a one bedroom. I'm pretty sure one bathroom place. Like how how is the bathroom being used here? Well, okay. So if you remember Giles's um, the location of his loft, it's open concept. So mm-hmm. if he has Spike chained to a chair downstairs, Spike can probably yell at him while he's trying to sleep. If he puts him in the bathroom, there's a door, he's shut. It's probably the only room that is closed off compared to yeah, his he's bedroom. Secluded. I don't want Spike in the same like vicinity of me as while I'm sleeping because he's just going to talk to me or like be like, stop snoring or whatever. Like, you know, I don't need that kind of pressure <laughs> when I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> it is an odd Still, choice. Maybe, maybe he doesn't want him to spill the blood that he's about to give him or something. I mean, maybe put him in the kitchen. Like, cause you, it's one bathroom. So, I mean, you know, and Giles talks about needing to shower and he wants to shower alone. It's like, <laughs> what has been going on here? You do have Buffy. You can just have Buffy move him to a new location if you want to like t- chain him to the bed while you're trying to take a shower or something. I don't know. But yeah, poor Giles. I feel bad that he has to deal with Spike in his house. <laughs> has Spike been here since Thanksgiving? Like, I want to know how long this has been. Probably. Everyone just was on their end game. Like all the actors were just killing it. But especially like Sarah and James, like this whole scene, she's like taunting him with her neck. He's getting like so angry. <laughs> she gives him like the iconic like kiss the librarian cup with blood in it. And Spike is like, Giles, make her stop. He's like, I'm trying to remember. It was very traumatic. And we're like, boo-hoo, Spike. <laughs> you have not dealt with trauma like Giles and Buffy. I have yep. no sympathy for you. Well, Giles gets annoyed. He walks out. And then Will is in the front room kind of like looking through some um, spell books, mentions that 
She'll get ingredients from the shop for a truth spell. And Giles is like, that sounds great. So Willow leaves. Giles walks back into the bathroom and tells Buffy that she, meaning Willow, seems to be coping better after Oz. And Spike says, are you people blind? She's hanging on by a thread. Any idiot yes, can see Yes, thank you, that. Spike. I really resonate with Willow in this episode. I think there's sometimes so much pressure to get better and to appear normal totally. when you're grieving um, and within a certain time frame. And people don't know what to do with you if you're not better in the time that they feel like you should be better or whenever mm-hmm. they feel like, okay, I'm no longer comfortable with your grief. Like, be over it. I personally really struggle to let people know when I'm not doing well because I feel that pressure to be like, okay, I'm better now even though I'm not. Um, and so like I understand why Willow hides it from everybody and tries to appear like she's doing okay. I also just major props to the show because I feel like so often shows blow over relationships so fast totally. because they're like onto the next love interest, onto like whatever is next that it oh my gosh, it bothers me so much when it's like I get invested in a character or relationship. And then they break up and then it's like the next episode is like episodic, like they're going to the mall. And it's like, oh my gosh, like I literally just went through something dramatic. Like, can you give me a minute? And so it's, I love the fact that they are letting the audience mourn with Willow as well. I think that's a lot to do because um, this isn't just strictly a comedy. I mean, of course it has comedic elements, absolutely, but it's more of a action, drama, horror, all that put together. And I think with comedy shows, you have to kind of skip over that grieving period because it's not funny. There's nothing fun about it. So it's like, what are you supposed to do with those characters in that time? Like, and you don't want to make fun of those characters. It's like, so with Buffy, with a show like Buffy um, and all the genres that it encompasses, it's really nice that we do get to see something like that. Them taking yeah, their absolutely. time. And how bold of Buffy to go, wow, Willow's really grieving. Let's make it a funny episode because it contrasts how Willow's feeling. And what it does is it allows it to bring out her true feelings in a way that's very like full of humor. Mm-hmm. But it like it makes Willow's grief just that much sharper. And I really, it's very clever. I like it a lot. That's such a good point, Sarah. By them kind of making it a comedy, they're able to really, really lean into the dramatics of what she's actually going through. Whereas if they did an episode that's really heavy, I really feel like they wouldn't be able to really show the bitterness that she's also feeling. Like there are multiple times in this episode where she really like says a lot. And you're like, oh, that yeah. those are really big feelings. And I don't think yeah. that we would hear that if it was a normal episode. And the show does that, again, really, really well in Tabula Rasa, almost even totally. um, better because the feelings are even weightier there. And so the contrast between like when they are, you know, feeling happy versus later, you're like, wow, this is this is jarring. It makes you really recognize where the characters are at emotionally. Totally. Um, so the contrast of that funny scene, we kind of jump back into Oz's dorm room slash apartment again, and Willow walks in and everything's gone. Um, So we kind of jump into Willow and Buffy's dorm room. Willow is crying, saying that Devin said that Oz sent for his stuff. Um, And she says, I feel like I've been split down the center and half of me is lost. And the, the empathy in Buffy's eyes, like, is just so sweet. Like, she's like, I know it feels like that now. And I feel like that, that 
line or those two lines, I feel like on paper is very hard. I just kept thinking about this. Sometimes I think about the lines that the actors are given. I'm like, I don't know how they made that work because like mm-hmm. on paper, th- this could sound really like callous, but the way that SMG delivers lines is so empathetic. She's lived, given two lines and she could have said, I know it feels like that now, you know, like it could, it could sound really like passive aggressive or just like really like pushy, but the way that she says it is just very like comforting. Cause she knows like how that she feels. Does. I mean, she literally killed her soulmate like to yeah. save the world. So it's like, yeah, she knows. The script even says that too. It says, Willow says, I feel like I've been split down the center and half of me is lost. And then the script says, Buffy knows this feeling all too well. And then she goes on to say, you know what she's mm-hmm. gonna say, but oh, the, Whoever wrote this Bravo, the half of me is lost part. Like mm-hmm. that's that's some powerful stuff right there. Man, this episode is a lot of whiplash because we go straight back into the bathroom <laughs> with Spike. And he's like, passion's on. Timmy's down a bloody well. And if you make me miss it. <laughs> he has a lot of gumption to be so demanding for someone who's chained to a literal bathtub after literally begging them to take him in because he has nowhere else to go. Like <laughs> Say what you will about Spike, but man, he has some balls on him. (laughs) Spike and Gels is like sometimes like the Buffyverse puts two people you would never think to pair in an episode, and every time it hits, and you never think it will, and you're like Spike and Gels together is just the funniest combo because Giles is like, "What are you gonna do? Lick me to death?" (laughs) (laughs) Well, the funny thing too is Passions is an actual show, and it was Uh airing at the time Buffy was, so it's just funny to hear like him talking about Timmy being down a well because I know what episode that is. Super funny. It's just this like super soapy soap opera. I also just think it was a good idea to put both um Giles and Spike in an episode together because they're both kind of out of place this season because Spike you're like first of all it's so weird to see him without Drusilla but also you're like it's weird to see him not trying to kill everyone because he doesn't really know what's going on and then Giles is so detached from the gang because he's not really her watcher anymore he doesn't have a job at the school so he's just kind of like around so it's like them two are kind of in a similar boat almost so it's interesting to see their dynamics yeah i think xander is also really kind of like a fish out of water right now but i think the choice to put him with giles is better on a practical level because xander at least has a job giles doesn't so giles can actually watch spike while he's at his house versus xander would have to leave him alone (laughs) with his mom (laughs) oh gosh and then we have this picnic with Buffy and Riley. This is painful. Oh my god. And this is like a welcoming sight. Like we see a miserable Willow walk up and we're like, Willow, please stay in the scene. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, this, whole, this whole dialogue where he's talking about driving and then it like is oh, not god. driving. <laughs> we're all okay. like, um <laughs> I was like, whoa, that was what not is a natural this? segue. The like, <laughs> <laughs> so only one good thing that Riley did was um noticing that, you know, Willow's Buffy's best friend isn't having isn't having a good time like she's going through it and it is Buffy's best friend and so he wants to make her feel welcome and so he invited her to sit down like Riley it mm-hmm. good on him he does not ap- appear to feel awkward about the whole situation like he gets it like yeah. she's going through something and he seems to be sensitive to that and so that's the one good thing I'll say about him I think that Riley would be a really good friend I think he'd be a good friend <laughs> he's very nice 
I, I still ship think... Riley and Willow, honestly. honestly I think they, they would have worked so much better. I, yep. never I do heard not ship in my life. Are you serious? We didn't know. We, Kimberly, we did not think about it either. And then it just happened upon us one episode. We were like, wait a minute. No. There's way more chemistry between Willow and Riley the first couple episodes because he's trying to get in like like oh Buffy's trying to ask Buffy out. Yeah. I, I can't talk about this right now. I'm gonna have to give this some thought. Like Yeah, we didn't don't we worry, had no idea. I don't agree with it either. Go watch the initiative. That was the one where I was like, oh, they actually like have some good chemistry. I oh, I don't know. The initiative episodes are so cringe though. They, they are. are. They're really bad. <laughs> Maybe not, don't. <laughs> here's the thing. It's not that Willow and Riley have good chemistry. It's that Buffy and Riley just have zero chemistry. <laughs> True. Because Buffy's not really that into him. He's nice and he's got yep. nice arms. So it's like what's not to like. And so she's trying to figure out, you know, someone to take Angel's place. And she's like – and so she's looking for something completely different. And she's like, okay, yeah. this guy's completely different. No red flags. He seems super nice. He looks super nice. So, like, of course, like, why wouldn't I like him rather than, like, actually yeah, right. to him? I think they're also trying to subtly be like, oh, they have something in common because they're both demon fighters. So that's ultimately what's drawing them together, too. Right. But, like, you know, yeah. and we'll see but how they that don't, plays At out. this point, <laughs> she doesn't know that. And so, I mean, once they once they know that about each other, then, oh, I don't know. If, is this spoilers? That is spoilers, yeah. Okay. No we'll see what happens. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> not us. <laughs> but also, like, I'm not even going to lie. The way that Riley fights demons and the way that Buffy fights them is so much different. Like, the way Buffy fights them is, like, so cool and sexy and chic. And, like, the way that Riley – or, yeah, the <laughs> way that Riley fights them is a little embarrassing. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> the fact that, like, he has to gear up and, like, run in the know, woods well, wearing camo and all this. And she just goes in, in, like, just sexy Because it's just who leather. Buffy is. And then it's Riley's job. So, it's yeah, so it's, embarrassing. Yeah. It feels it's different. So embarrassing. It feels it really like is. his job. And it feels like who she is. And I think <laughs> yeah. it's supposed to be that way, honestly. Justice for Riley, man. I think he's a what? good guy. We're not saying oh, he's a bad God. guy, Sarah. We're just saying they have zero chemistry. Don't I'm like just saying I would annoying. be friends with Riley any day. Would you, Leah? Yes, would I you? would. I'd be friends with him. He's nice. I'd be friends with him. I would not date him. When I told you that he reminds me of Andrew, you were like, no, don't say that about Andrew. <laughs> well, because that is, that's an insult to Andrew. That is an insult Aww. to Andrew. I asked Andrew and Andrew's like, yeah. It's because he's out like, of all the – no, Andrew, no. He's Andrew like Oz. Like Sorry, what are you talking that's about? He's Oz. Don't do him like that. Okay, Oz is the love of my life, by the way. Yeah, yes. we, uh, oh, we're we Oz stands. We're grieving him. By the way, sorry, a little bit of backtracking too. Seth Green smiled at me once. Wait, what? No, he what? did not. Yes. How are you tell saying where? the story How? died? I mean, I was at work, so I can't like tell all the details, but he was at one of the jobs that I was working at. And <gasps> he looked at me and he smiled. I was like, oh my gosh. Oh, I would simply pass away. Yeah. He seems like so the nicest that. guy. Oh, I've read. Yeah, he seems like it. Okay. I will say for like getting back to Riley, I think that Riley – to give him a little – like to throw him a bone here. I, I'm not on with the dialogue that he has because I think it's super cringy. But Riley knows that Buffy has had a bad experience with Parker. And so I think that this moment that they're having right here, like him talking about – clearly talking about sleeping with her and sex, I think is him trying to reassure her that he's not going to do the same thing that Parker is, that he's actually like kind of there for the long haul. Also, I don't think the whole – 
drive conversation was originally about to, I really legitimately think he was talking about driving and then it accidentally like oh yeah it totally yeah. morphed into sex yeah and stuff. but that yeah, wasn't yeah. what it started out as I don't think that was no. like his intention with the conversation yeah no I agree and then as it like went on and stuff but I think like they are trying to contrast whether we think they are successfully you know doing this is a different story but I think they are trying to contrast the way that Riley is talking about this versus Parker, who is like completely just love bombing. And Riley's got kind of this awkward sincerity going on. He's sincere in what he's saying. He's not doing it as smoothly as Parker is, but like he means what he says. And yeah, for sure. He's not a bad yeah. dude. This has nothing to do with him being a bad person. I just don't really care for him and Buffy together. And that's fine. That's fine. But I'm just, I feel the need to outweigh all of the very, very, <laughs> um, you know, real criticism that we're giving him. I'm not negating that. But I do think that like, you know, I think there's some stuff to love about him. But okay, so here's the thing. Here's the negative though. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure that the writers know what they're doing with Riley. Yeah. I get that they're trying to write a normal relationship for Buffy, but the thing is this is – they have to know this is a vampire show. We don't want to see normal. Normal is boring. We want to see vampire slayers and supernatural stuff. So If this was One Tree Hill, I'd be like, sure – but this is Buffy. Yeah, right. If this was any other show, Riley would probably work well. But in this show, it doesn't work because we have Angel and Oz and Spike and Giles, who is human, but I mean, is way more interesting than Riley. Here's the thing. I Maybe I'm completely naive. You but are, like, but go ahead. I, I mean, yeah, but like, I just can't, I don't. My issue with Riley is not the fact that he's human or that he's normal because, like, Oz is human. Like, Giles is human. I mean, he has witchcraft, but, like, it's whatever. There is human. Joyce is human. But they're all interesting characters. It's just Riley, to me, is, like, so boring. Like, it's because as a character. The, the way the writers are writing him. Yeah. I don't think it's the fact that he's human. I think it's just the fact that he's boring. No, but I think it's because the writers are hammering home that human aspect of him and not showing any other aspect of him that's that would true, be interesting. True. So because they're just like, he's human, he's human, he's human. That's his defining yeah, characteristic they're shoving that, that down he's our human. Throats. We're like, we want more. Like, I, we get he's a nice guy. Yeah. yeah. And we don't want to see this. You know? But that's what Buffy's trying to see right now to see if it can work. Like, that's what she's looking for. Guess we'll we'll give her time. <laughs> yep. She's trying on the human. <laughs> Um, so in the bronze, we have Xander, Anya, and Buffy talking at the little table thing, um, talking about Oz taking his stuff. And Anya says if she were a demon, she'd liquefy him. <laughs> and Xander's like, well, that's sweet. <laughs> uh, we see Willow dancing, all happy, and they're all like very confused. Then she comes and is like, you guys should come dance. It's really fun. And then they find out that she's been drinking. Well, and then, okay, and then... This feels like season two and season three, Xander, for a second. He's like, makes this weird comment about like something about like Buffy wearing a bikini or something like that. Oh, the, but I love that Anya like called him out on it. It was the fur bikini or something, the fuzzy bikini. This um, is very Cordelia as she's like, find a different topic. And then it's like, man, Xander, like (laughs) all of your girlfriends have to keep redirecting you. Yeah, that is problematic. I will say though, Willow really hurts Xander and she hurts him a couple times in this oh, episode. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um we've watched Xander cut people down for seasons now and someone finally like says something to him that is hurtful and truthful and they shouldn't have said it. But it was kind of like, yeah, Xander, like words hurt. Like maybe you can evaluate some of the things you've said in the past too, you know? But 
I do feel bad for him in that moment. I do. Yeah. It's, it's a mixed bag because I'm like, first seasons, we were like, oh, everything that came out of Xander's mouth, I wanted to punch him so bad. And then now he's like, fine. And she like talks about like, well, he's like, okay, well, we all have pain, which is like, don't minimize her pain. That is like, dismissive. Yeah, yeah. Don't do that. Like, yeah. Like she's doing stuff that's un, like out of her character. It's uncharacteristic, but maybe that should be a red flag that like she's really, really struggling. Like, have you guys ever seen her drink at yeah. all ever? No. And the yeah. fact that she's drunk, like should be a cause for like an alarm that maybe you should like check in on her. It's like, why is she doing this? She's trying exactly. to numb something. Exactly. The fact that she like jabs him and says, oh, poor me. I live in a basement. Like that's probably the lowest blow that she could give Xander at this moment because he's struggling with the fact that he's not going but to college with I, the game. I will say, Sarah, I the fact that he walked away is growth on Xander's part. I agree. Like, yes, he has cut down people in the past, but like yeah. look at me. <laughs> defending Xander. Who am I? No, but he 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 He's actually showed strides. maturity. Yep. Yeah. He didn't lash out. He just was like that he hurt walked and walked away. away. Yeah. Yeah. I think this shows that you can stand up for yourself and be honest and like in the moment and be like, hey, like that that's not okay. That's hurtful without being rude back. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Just because you're in pain, it doesn't give you a re- an excuse to be selfish. Just because you're going through something that horrible doesn't mean that Xander living in a basement isn't also horrible to him. It's interesting how people feel like we have to compare pain. Totally. And it's like mm-hmm. it in a lot of ways, like, yes, there is a scale, but like something that you are going through may be very, very hard for you. But just because I may be going through something harder doesn't mean that that minimizes what you're feeling in that moment. So like all that to say, like, I just really appreciated that perspective like as I was like listening to this episode and then like Buffy coming in and just being like hey like stopping Willow and being like hey like I'm gonna stop you before you lose a friend which was very kind and then when she tells her like hey this is gonna be over I promise she's like it's going to take some time I thought that was a really interesting choice of words because again this episode's coming right after I will remember you Buffy tells Angel like it's gonna take time for me to get over you like I need to go and like forget and that kind of thing. And so I think this, the message that we're trying to get for both Willow and Buffy is, hey, this is going to be really hard, but you will get over it eventually. And you just, you have to give yourself grace. For Willow, it can be hard to even hear that, like that, oh, it's going to take some time because for her, um, for how much she loves Oz and everything she put into that, it might almost feel wrong that she even should like pass it. 100%. Um, so it can, you can hear people be like, oh, just, it'll take time or whatever. It's like, but do you even want it to? Like, do you want to get over it? Should you get over it kind of thing? Yeah. Will that mean that I didn't love them as much? Will that mean that, yeah, those are very, and those are things that people don't think about sometimes when they're like, hey, like, why aren't you over this already? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of guilt too. Cause like you said, Kimberly, it's like, is this diminishing the love we had if I could get over it? you know, right. pretty soon afterwards. Part of you doesn't want to because you're like, if I'm still hurting, that means that they're still with me. And I think Willow's not ready for that, at least at this point. She's like, if I'm starting to get yeah. over it, that means Oz really is gone. Um, yeah. Well, and then what she says here is very telling with where she's at even more so because she says like, um, she hates feeling this way. She wants it to be over and she doesn't want to take the time to kind of like get over this it. This is a common 
thing for Willow. Like I think back in Lover's Walk mm-hmm. when she was like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I, I don't want to feel these feelings for Xander and it's ruining my relationship with Oz. So therefore I'm going to affect our emotions. And we've seen with Willow, she doesn't like feeling uncomfortableness. She, she just kind of wants to move forward. She hates working through things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. She will not do it. If she can change it by any means, she will change it. It's like, that's yep. not how it works. Ultimately, I think it's a control thing. I think she yes. doesn't like controlling the timing, her emotions, everything. And so when the idea of not being regulated, not being in power, like starts to kind of seep into her, she's like, oh my gosh, like I, I want to change it. I want to fix it. I want to conquer it. Um, and I think that that's why we see her a lot of times lean on magic or spells or things like that because it's something she can control or her knowledge or her place in the friend group totally so back in the dorm room willow wakes up in the middle of the night um i love the camera shot like first on amy for amy (laughs) well justice for amy man well later on not only does she pop up for a second but also she kind of compares herself to amy so i feel like that the small little like nods to that starting off here is kind of smart um so she kind of like Sneaks out to the bathroom and then does a spell. This is a beautiful shot. I love the contrast of the red candles and the black and white tiled floor. And it's just kind of cool to see witchy Willow again. Mm -hmm. I know. But I was just – when I watched that, I was just thinking, you know, because – I lived in a dorm and just like imagining going into the dorm at like or into the bathroom at like four a.m. and someone's on the floor with like a bunch of candles and like the pentagram and stuff. I'm like, no. No, let's go back to bed. Not worth it at that point. <laughs> well, the hilarious thing is too, like the dorm that I was in, they leave the bathroom lights on 24-7. Like it's not like you can just turn the lights off or whatever. Like they're always on. So I imagine like Willow goes in there and like turns off the light and is in the dark and someone's like, what's going on? They're like scared. <laughs> okay. So a key to the spell not working whenever Willow wishes it in this episode, because I don't know about you guys, when I was watching this, I was like, okay, so Willow wishes for multiple things or says certain things and the spell doesn't work. Why is that? And I think the reason, the key is the phrasing when she says, out of my passions, a web be spun. So if you'll notice, the only time that the spell actually takes effect is when she's like, her emotions are super heightened. Um, Passion Leonard noted that she never actually mentions Oz's name when doing the spell. And if she had, things might have gone differently because it might have only taken – like the spell only takes place when she feels very strongly about something. Right. That's what I was thinking too because when she's like, oh, I will this Q-tip to be unbending, I'm like, okay, there's no power behind that, obviously. No passion. That's not how it works. I mean, it doesn't – actually work anyway but you know what i'm saying it's just yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> this isn't how any of this works <laughs> right well and i think too like the fact that she says what does she say she goes i wish that my heart be healed it's interesting because it's like i don't think that willow actually wishes for her heart to be healed what she no, really wants is so. she wants oz to she come wants back oz. yeah so yeah. it doesn't listen because it's not what she actually wants yes yes exactly yeah. makes sense. she would like it to be healed through oz coming back but that's not what she's technically asking for yeah which is interesting because it's it's weird that she wouldn't just ask for oz to come back but i will say i props to willow for trying to even though she's not doing it the right way she's trying to control her own emotions versus trying to control other people so it whatever whatever happened to everybody else in this episode was inadvertent she didn't mean for it to happen versus in lover's walk where she was trying to control both xander's and her own emotions which is not okay 
So then Giles comes in and is like, hey, I'm like really concerned about you. And Willow's like, oh, did Buffy tell you about the beer? And he's like, Buffy didn't tell me anything. Everyone just like goes and throws stuff right out to Giles without waiting to see what he knows. Poor Giles. <laughs> and so then he's like, hey, like we had an appointment, the truth spell. And I, I know you're going through a difficult time, but I feel like you're shirking your responsibilities. And then Will's like, I didn't. I got all the research. I did all the stuff I was supposed to do. She's like, I just forgot doing the spell part. And he's like, well, that isn't like you. And then Willow gets defensive. I feel like Giles was actually as sensitive as he could be. Like he was very clear with his own thoughts and expectations. And when Willow like gave her, um, you know, the reasons why she didn't do what he expected, he's like, okay, well, that's not like you. Let's talk about this. He wasn't just trying to bulldoze over and get past your feelings. And I felt that Willow was very unfair to him in this scene, honestly. I agree. I was not a fan. I was like, she Willow was completely very defensive. She's very focused on her own pain to the detriment of everybody around her, especially Giles in this one. Well, and especially it's like Giles understands what it's like to make a mistake. Especially yeah. regarding and he like, wasn't magic being down about like it. that. No, not at all. Yeah, and especially because Honestly, Giles is the one being the most affected by her not doing this spell because, mm-hmm. you know, he's freaking Spike living with him. So he has, I think, every room to be like, hey, Willow, like, I know you're going through a lot, but I like, I have a full person living in my house that could attack me and hurt me. And I need to figure out how to get him out of here. You know, like, I feel right. like he's but very he, gracious. I mean, he didn't even do that. He didn't say, no, yeah, like, he didn't say any of that. He was like, oh, this isn't like you. And when he was talking about, um, you know, maybe not doing spells without supervision because she's unfocused, which are all, you know, giving perfectly valid, valid reasons. Yes. And he is the most parental figure around and is yeah. re- legitimately concerned about her safety. And for her just to twist that in her own mind to be like, yeah. oh, he thinks I'm out of control. Like it, she completely yeah. blows past the care that he actually has for her. Yes. Um, and I thought it was very selfish. No, I totally agree. And I think this also points back to fear itself a couple episodes earlier. When Willow got equally defensive when everybody was questioning her overuse of magic, but also mm-hmm. Willow's fear was one, obviously Oz leaving, but two, that she'd lose control of her magic. And so I think that it's hitting a sensitive spot. And so instead of like listening and being like, oh yeah, okay, maybe I am in a vulnerable place, she's instantly mm-hmm. like, no, no, why? I wouldn't do that. I'm like, not doing is, that. And then and she attacks. my magic. Yeah. Yeah. Giles says, I see how you could feel that way. I do. And Willis says, no, you don't. You'd say you do, but you don't see anything. We see that flash in Willow's eyes. And Giles immediately is like rubbing his eyes like something's wrong. He can't see. And then he's like, okay, I'm sorry. I should be going. Let's talk later. And I, this is something that I've often forgot about, but – in season one in the episode Nightmares, we always talk about how Giles was afraid that Buffy was going to die. Like that was one of his nightmares. But there was a second one that we forget all the time. And it's that one of Giles's fears is that he can't read. And yeah. so I, I, when he can't, when he can't see, I mean, okay, so being able to research right now, that's the only thing he has left in his life. He's not a librarian. He's not a watcher. Like the poor man is barely holding it together. <laughs> mm-hmm. And now he can't do the one thing that actually helps to contribute he to the game. research. Yeah. I feel really bad for Giles this episode, honestly. For multiple reasons. There's Spike. Now he can't see. Now Buffy. And then like he has to hear Spike. Spike. Yes, it was the Spike and Buffy making out. Like- <laughs> he holds it together like fairly well, all things considering. Oh, but you can hear the tension in his in his voice. He's like barely, barely holding it together. He's over here like Willow. 
please, I need your help. I know you're going through some stuff, (laughs) but I really need you to come and help me out here. Bro, I don't blame him. I'd be so much more like... I'm not patient. I would literally be like, Willow, I literally can't see a thing. I'm sorry you're going through a breakup, but um, I literally can't see a thing. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'll just walk home. No big deal. So in his living room, he's like, well, I guess since Willow is not in a good place to help, I'll just do this spell without being able to see all the way. <laughs> I'm like waving the incense and Spike's face. I was dying. Oh my gosh. <laughs> And Spike's like, you know, um, not too keen on the spell stuff tends to be a bit unpredictable. And Giles like, might have thought of that a bit sooner. Spike looks so concerned. <laughs> I don't blame him. Giles can't see, so he takes his glasses off so he can see better. <laughs> <laughs> so then he's like fumbling about. He drops the incense stick, drops the book, and in doing so also drops the key. Spike unlocks himself and then <laughs> poor Giles gets like slumped into the wall and knocks over. Poor Giles. I know. At least he didn't get knocked out this time, though. That's a win. Okay. Yeah, that's a win. (laughs) Well, Will's complaining to Buffy about Giles. Like, this girlie is just like, she is mouthing off this episode. I think she's just grasping for anyone to listen to her at this point. But you could tell everyone's been like, guys, or Willow, we've been listening to you for like a long time. But people want to listen to her. They're they're trying and she's just always rude to them. Like, she's (laughs) the one who's not communicating well. Yes. She's also not picking good times to talk with them. She's expecting everyone to drop all their responsibilities to do things with her. And it's like, okay, you wanting to have comfort and hang out with people is not wrong, but you also need to be sensitive that other people's lives still go on. And that's really hard when you're in pain. It is. It it is incredibly hard just because it's like even like her being like, Buffy, we should have a girls' night and like, you know eat ice cream or whatever it is that she said and it's like, um absolutely when there's not a murderous vampire yes. on the loose like exactly <laughs> totally down yeah. i feel like this is fair you know also okay so i think willow says i didn't have the guts she goes oh you know i'm a bad witch or whatever and she goes um if i had any real power i could have made oz stay Ew, which is that was the one that was alarming that's a to problem me. that one and then the line afterwards which talks about veruca she didn't have the gall to like finish the spell with veruca i was like girly you were gonna literally like murder her so i don't really understand well no that spell she was actually trying to spell oz not veruca oh. remember she was trying to curse him and that's why i was like i don't think she's oh, being 100 honest that. with buffy here mm. yeah this whole scene was the part where I was like, oh, this is a little, like, red flaggy in Willow. Like, this whole conversation. Well, yeah. Yes, but I also think that when you're hurt, you say a lot of things that you don't necessarily mean. No, I think she means this, yeah, though. Yeah, that's the I thing. I think she's hurt. Like, her real true feelings are coming out. Because then she says that the only person or the only real witch is Amy. But, okay, do you remember that Amy was using dark magics? So like she's almost like she admires the fact that Amy was willing to do whatever it took to get certain she things. She wants the power and she doesn't want the emotions that come with doing bad things. That's yep. her She idea. doesn't want the responsibility and she also like she assumes any critique is a like blow at her competence. Um and I think that when it's kind of like okay, kind of going back to the whole when you're in pain Like there's that fine line between is this truth or is this like because you're just trying to hurt people. It's like that blurred line when you're like drunk, you know, like that whole like uh, whatever you say when you're drunk is like sober, what you think in your head when you're sober, but you never say out loud. Um, I think that sometimes it can be a little bit muddy because it's like maybe you think those things, 
but you would never act on them. Um, same thing when like you're drunk, it's like if you say things, it's like maybe you think them, but you would never say it out loud. And you kind of kind of try to keep that under wraps. And so I think by saying that just because she's in pain, she says things, but doesn't really mean them. I do think that sometimes, not all the time, sometimes there is a truth when you're in pain and you say things. Yes, mm-hmm. like maybe you think them, but you would never mm-hmm. actually act on them. But I do think she is telling the truth in these things. But even so, it still reveals the heart, though. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And just the fact that she, like, she calls out Xander for living in his basement. She calls out, like, she says later on about him, you know, oh, you're just a demon magnet. And then she talks about Giles. Like, all these things are things she's feeling. You yeah. know, so I, why would she all of a sudden just say things that she doesn't? At mean the very feel least, here? is a kernel to all these things that she thinks. Maybe, yeah. she, like, because I could see, like, I've been in situations where I've said things, and it may be a dramatic way of how I've been thinking, and maybe I don't mean the full extent of what I say, but I do think some of that is accurate in the moment. Yeah, um, and then you, we see like poor. Amy pop Amy. up and then pop back down. Can you imagine them calling the actress and being like, we need you for Buffy. And she's getting so excited. She's like, I'll get a regular paycheck again. And like, but just for a second. You're not going to say anything. Nude. And you're going to be yeah. naked. I think it adds to the continuity. Because like when there are things like this, I like forget that it's a show. Because it's like yeah. when there's actors that are like kind of in the background that just kind of can show up. Every like, time I Jonathan that they pops get paid up. To be there. I'm so glad that the show never forgets about Amy, though. Me too. Yeah. Well, and I, I think too. Also, like it's just a callback to like Amy's a witch, and in the first episode that Amy was in, her mom was the witch, and so like mm-hmm. it's showing there's this cycle of abuse and now magic. She's a rat. And now she's a rat. Wow, character development, evolvement. Amy's come so far. Poor Amy. Justice for Amy, man. And poor, like, Buffy's being so sweet in this moment. She's like, I'd love to say, but you know I have to catch Spike before I can do any of this, which is incredibly fair. Um, and then Will's like, I don't see the big. He's probably just standing out there. She'll find him in two seconds. And she walks out. And she's like, wow, I thought that would take longer. <laughs> that was hilarious. Because <laughs> then Spike's like, yeah, so did I. <laughs> He's like, I must have got turned around. <laughs> well, and then Spike is kind of going – like a little bit crazy. He's like, this is where I escaped. And he's like grabbing at the grass. They start bickering again. I know. When he was just like pulling up tufts of grass. And was like, this is where I was. And Buffy's like, I don't think so. <laughs> right in the middle of campus. I really did actually feel bad for Spike in this moment. He was like, he goes, open up. I'm going to kill you. And then he says, let me in. <laughs> fix me. And it really, all of a sudden I saw the parallels between Spike and Willow. Both of them are like, I... I don't like who I am right now. I don't like the pain that I'm in. I want to be. I want it to be over. I want to be fixed. And I was like, oh, poor Spike. Yeah, but also oh, in Spike's case, it means he just people. wants to murder people again. Exactly. So like, exactly. Like, <laughs> but like, that's oh, like the like, charm of James Marsters, man. You, you're like, oh, you're on his roller coaster. You're like, oh, evil vampire. Oh, you're like, wait a minute. Oh, uh, I yeah. should be rooting for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, back at Giles' house, he's like putting eye drops in his eye as Buffy and Spike come in, still arguing. She's like, Giles, I accidentally killed Spike. That's okay, right? And he's like, oh, just a minute. <laughs> the fact that he's not even faced, he's like, oh, whatever. He's like, well, he's so going blind. Yeah. I would be like that too. I'd be like, okay. I just, I think it's such a dad thing. He's like silently like dealing with his own crap, but says a word to no one. He's like literally going blind and he's not saying a word while trying to like deal with the kids that are arguing like he said dad in this episode it's so funny uh, okay not gonna lie i would wear xander's shirt 
in this in this scene. I like it a lot. I don't remember. Loki, sometimes Xander's fits go hard. I know. He's getting better. Yeah. First three seasons, the green shirts were not my thing, but it's game. Okay, better. so fun fact though. So the the shirt that Xander wears, the white one with the orange sleeves, yeah. is that the one you're talking about? I think it's got flowers on too. I don't know. I I don't Yeah, I don't, I don't remember don't. it what it, it looked like a baseball shirt. But Anya actually wears that shirt later on in a different episode. That Wait, cool? really? Mm-hmm. That's yep. cute. Yep. Oh. Um, in the basement, Will's complaining again. Um, and Xander's says, being a good friend, listening yeah. to Willow gripe in his basement that she just literally insulted him about. Like, <laughs> well, and she's not even like she's saying like Buffy isn't prioritizing her. I'm like, girly, think rationally for a second. Uh. That's not what's happening. Like she said, she'd love to hang out with you, but she genuinely has to find a like killer first make sure he's locked up and then she can hang out with you like that's incredibly fair it's not like she's blowing you off to hang out with riley if the initiative gets spike before buffy does spike in a act of self-preservation could tell them about buffy the slayer oh absolutely and he would blame her you know well she's like spike's more important than me i get it and then like xander's like trying to be a good friend or whatever and then she's like well, fine. Why doesn't she just go marry him? And then they jump back <laughs> to the house. And Giles comes out and he's like witnessing this like pure love proposal. And the looks on their faces are just – they they like they fully leaned into this scene. Oh, and it's great. so funny to me. Like they just really went for it. And I really love the skull it. ring. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it's so gaudy and spiked. It's also like, – it's so funny to see the characters do such a huge switch. I bet that this was so fun as the actors to just oh, be I like, bet. to come into work one day thinking you're going to be like your character all serious. And then it being this was probably so fun. And he's just looking at her so blissfully and she's got oh. tears in her eyes. And it's just, oh. The, what makes this work so well is them like really just going in it. Like if you guys have seen the new movie with Sarah Michelle Gellar in it, Do Revenge. Um, yeah. There's uh, Sophie Turner plays like a side character. And oh, she's that like, was the best part no, of the movie right she there. Fully, she fully went into like the two minutes she was in the the movie and she's like, has her hands on the shoulder and she's like, I wish you nothing but the worst with literal tears in her eyes and rage. That It's just, it wouldn't have worked if she didn't fully go into that moment. And the fact yeah. that Sarah Michelle Gellar has like tears coming down her face in like bliss is just... It's perfect. You know that saying that like it's no big deal when your kids are being loud, but the moment they get silent, that's when you have to worry. <laughs> that's what I thought about Giles. He's like he's like hearing the bicker and then they stop. He's like, oh no, what happened? <laughs> Comes out and they're literally proposing to each other. Could you imagine you're literally losing your eyesight and one of the last things you're seeing <laughs> oh, is no. Spike and Buffy? <laughs> Literally about to get married. He's probably like, I've lost my mind. I've lost my mind. I'm losing my eyesight and my mind. He's like, no, this is going to be the last thing I ever see. If I could just rewrite one thing about the scene to make it even better, I wish that Buffy was proposing to Spike. Wouldn't that be so much better? Like if Buffy was on her knees and she was the one. <laughs> That'd be so funny. I cannot. It wouldn't happen though. Spike's are romantic. Yeah, there's no way. Also, True, his ring, just, his oh. ginormous gaudy ring. On it's like flopping on her finger. <laughs> it's too big. I just love that he just like grabs it and is like, here you go. No thought the, whatsoever. The look on Giles' face, like Tony had, I've said this like three times, he kills this episode for me. Like he looks genuinely so appalled and confused at the same time. 
I love what Xander says right here. He says, well, I know it's hard to see it right now, but everything you're feeling is because of you and Oz, not because of Buffy or me or anybody, but eventually you'll meet someone else and it'll be better. I really, Uh, I feel like he handled that so well. (laughs) Except for the last part, you'll meet somebody else and be better. It's like, that's completely not the point. I know that it's like, okay. I know that it's like him thinking from like an Anya perspective. He's like, well, I broke up with Cordelia and I had the whole thing with Faith and now it's better with Anya. But it's also like, that's not what people need to hear when they're going through a breakup. And also you cheated on Cordelia, so shut up. Yeah, Yeah, literally. You're the one who caused her pain. She's the, you're the reason why they're not together. You shouldn't be having them heal by thinking about someone in the future. Like I was about to say that. Yeah, exactly. Like it's not about Uh replacing that void. It's about healing it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Willow's next phrase when she talks about how they're all doomed to badness and relationships and all that stuff is a very clear callback to iRobot Eugene at the very end when they talk about being doomed doomed with the Mm -hmm. relationships. Yeah. But I do think it's interesting because, again, setting Riley up, it's like, why are you talking about doomed relationships when Buffy and Riley's relationship is supposed to just now be starting? Well, I mean, okay, this is Willow talking here, you know? So I don't think that the show is supposed to say that Buffy and Riley are doomed. I think this is just Willow being miserable. I don't think this is a subtext of anything. But Willow is so toxic in this episode, especially this Mm -hmm. scene right here. And then she insults him. She says, let's look at your bio. And then she brings up Anya. She's like, and Willow has been so mean to Anya the past couple of episodes. And it's just, I'm so over it. There's no reason for her. no reason. Other than the wish. There literally is no reason. But she's a human. Like we're they're they're in the business yeah. of like helping people, redeeming people. Like that's that's their job, right? Well, and also it's so hypocritical. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like, come yeah. on, how many people have used magic for the wrong reasons? Everyone in this group at this point has used magic for the wrong reasons, except for Buffy. Giles, mm-hmm. Sander, and Willow have all used magic for the wrong reasons. So it's like you can't yeah. forgive Anya, really? Well, yeah, I know she brings up all of his like past track list of girlfriends, says that he's a demon magnet, and he just says, hey, I was just trying to help. And then she's like, great, now you're mad at me too. And I was like, well, stop saying responsibility. Don't give him ammo to be mad at you then. And then the the flicker in Willow's eyes happens again. So we're like, oh, great. Xander's now going to be a literal demon magnet. But it actually doesn't happen on camera. We just hear the whoosh. Because the focus is actually on Xander at that moment. So it's like, it's a little more subtle. So it's easier to miss. Um, But yeah, it does happen. But you just hear the sound actually. And I think what makes this episode so funny is the fact that we're catching up with each of the like spells, I guess you should say, as they're happening. Which I think is a fun idea for the episode rather than us kind of like being like, oh, well, yeah, it's it's like we know it before the characters know it. It's something to kind of look forward to, like, oh, how is this going to play out? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah which makes yeah. it so fun. Or even, like, the whole, like, she's, like, probably going to find him in two seconds. Like, you just, like – and then it pops over and then you see Spike. Like, it's just – we expect it. But then when it happens actually in two seconds, it makes it funnier. <laughs> well, back at <laughs> Giles' house, Giles is calling Willow um, about his eyes and she doesn't answer and then he needs her help. Um, like, he says that going he, very, very he wrong. it's and then he watches Buffy give Spike the mug and they're like cuddling and he's like horribly wrong. She's like 98.6. <laughs> and um, they're making their wedding guest list. <laughs> oh, oh. Well, she's Which like, we is should so have funny a daytime like, wedding. Are they going to 
I yeah, I think Tommy and I are having the same thoughts. Like, you're gonna have your <laughs> wedding at the middle of the night when no one can be there because you're a vampire. <laughs> I don't want a church wedding. And then she's like, "Okay, daytime wedding." He's like, "Big pile of dust." And he's like, "Under the trees." In direct sunlight, he's like, again, or do you say a warm spring breeze tosses the leaves? And again, you're registering as Mr. and Mrs. Big Pile of Dust. Oh my gosh, the script, they really outdid themselves. Oh my God. And then, like, (laughs) Giles, like, waddling in with his, like, cup of, like, brandy or whatever. And then sits down on the couch, just like he's like rubbing his eyes, like trying to concentrate on the fact that he's like literally going blind as they're smacking their their lips together. And Buffy's like, stop it. And Jess's like, yes, please He's stop. Like, please stop. <laughs> you know what's bad when Giles seems like he'd prefer to hang out with Xander. <laughs> and Buffy's like, Giles, did you see my ring? And he says, thankfully, not very no, well. <laughs> okay, but Buffy asking Giles to give her away was literally yeah. one of the most touching things in the entire scene. I mean, it was I like know. for a second because, you know, it's not real, but like. But to Buffy, still. it is. We real. were Giles and in that moment. Giles can, it, it was so sweet. Mm-hmm. The, the fact that Giles, it's so touching that Giles and then he's forgets. Like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> he's like so touched by it. He's like, wait a minute. She's like, weddings are all about family. And then she mentions the fact that her like dad is around, like close enough that she could ask him. And like his little face, he's like, oh, Buffy, that's. And he's like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> He's like almost mad at himself for like doing it. He's like, oh, totally like indulging in the thought. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I mean, Buffy would have asked him if this wasn't an actual spell. Like, I 100% believe like Buffy meant every word. Oh, absolutely. The only part that her brain is like wired for for differently is just Spike. Everything else is the same. Even when they come and they talk about like how something is happening with Willow, she's like, shut up, Spike. I want to hear. So, like, Buffy's still Buffy. It's just that she's. Yeah. yeah. Insane about Spike. Although, and I thought it was really romantic, you know, how she offered to smear blood on, you know, the mouth <laughs> of the little guy. I was like, oh, how sweet. Like, she's really considering him in all this. <laughs> Except, you know, it's the blood of the innocent, right? Right. <laughs> oh, gosh. She mentions Angel and then Spike gets all like Triggers Spike. <laughs> <laughs> Where would Angel want to register? Uh, can we have the photographer Angel would have wanted and the flowers Angel would have liked? <laughs> I think that that was the funniest part of the episode because it's like it's so freaking funny because i know that if riley knew about angel or if like they if buffy and spike were actually dating that that is exactly how they'd be reacting well i i think that if buffy and spike were actually dating that's exactly how he'd be reacting as well because he just hates angel with every fiber of his being (laughs) even apart from buffy like it's yeah. Just, as much yeah. as much as I love Angel, um, Spike does have valid reasons to not like him, especially in season two. Angelus was a bit rough towards him. Yeah. But also, so was Drusilla. It takes two to tango. They were definitely flirting and taunting while he was literally in the wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Such a toxic relationship that was really fun to watch. Well, and then like Buffy brings up Drusilla too. She's like, you don't think that I'm not thinking about, you know, Drusilla or I'm worried that you're going to be thinking about her on our honeymoon while you're making sweet, sweet love to me. And Jaws is like, good heavens, God, get me out of here. I want to die at this point. Like, I want to be the one under a a spell, please. (laughs) Well, he like drops his drink. (laughs) Like, don't worry, I've got more scotch. 
And then he's like, I think I'm completely blind. And I really think it's funny how Spike immediately is like, I'm going to help. And he's like, well, you're basically like, you know, my father-in-law. In, and Giles is like, uh. And Buffy's like, see, this is how it'll be from this now on. Spike funny. will even take care of you while I'm at the magic shop. And then Giles is like, it's all right. I have more scotch, like completely disassociating at this point. <laughs> He's ignoring them He's at this point. He's completely ignoring it. He waddles back to the kitchen. Oh, I think the fact that they gave him such an oversized sweater makes him just look even more old when he's like waddling around. That <laughs> is so just sad so and pathetic. Oh this gosh. is my favorite part right here. <laughs> oh, the street part with Riley. Oh. No, I was getting secondhand embarrassment. I was like, oh, I can't. I can't look at this. Okay, so this dress shop um, that Buffy's admiring, um, it's actually the same one that Cordelia worked at in the prom. But then the book that Spike pulls out in the scene before, it had the same symbol on the front that Willow used in the episode Gingerbread when Amy was turned into a rat. Hmm. All those little little Easter eggs. Okay, with this scene. <laughs> Riley's all like, hey, Buffy, like comes right up and she's like, oh, Riley, like I need to let you down, like completely friend zones him. And okay, I got to say, like Riley does not seem all that broken up well, that Buffy's going to get married. Because it's all nonsensical. So yeah. I wouldn't be, if I was in his position, I wouldn't be hurt either. I'd just be like, is is she on drugs? Like, is she okay? Like he's, probably, he's probably thinking, like, man, I dodged a bullet. Like, this girl is ready to marry someone that fast. Oh, my favorite part was that she says uh, – they, they just go back and forth. She says, my wedding, I'm getting married. Can you believe it? He goes, I don't think no is a strong enough word. She's like, it's crazy. I know. I mean, we've been fighting for years. And then sometimes you just look at each other and you know, you know. And he's like, no, I don't. Not at all. Oh, my word. He's just completely like confused. And I really, really did like at the very end where he says to her, he's like, it's late and I'm very tired now. He says now, like I wasn't tired before this conversation, but now that we, <laughs> now that we started talking, I need to go. Well, I think he's also thinking like, if this is real, like there's no point in me being here talking to you because you're yeah. getting married. All right. So back in Xander's basement, a demon comes in, immediately starts attacking Xander. Anya with her demon knowledge is like, no, 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 you can't, you know, hit him or impale him. You have to drown him. So they're trying to drown this guy and then more demons start smashing in. So Xander grabs Anya and they escape and run to Giles's house. And then this scene <laughs> and then everybody's here and it's just culminating. <laughs> Honestly, the way that this scene is, it reminds me of like a Gilmore Girls episode because there's so much like happening dialogue. Yeah. People are talking over each other. I mean, it's probably how people hear our podcast, but it's like, <laughs> it's just like there's so much going on and it's so entertaining to me. Like, I yeah. love when there's so many moving parts because it's like, I feel like you could rewatch it five times and laugh at something different yes. every single time. I agree. Emma Caulfield's facial expressions are really funny. She doesn't say very much, but like the way that she's responding, like the physical comedy is just as funny as what's coming out of everybody's mouths. So Buffy has the little like, I don't know, where did she even get these? They're cake toppers. And she's like, bum, 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 <laughs> up Spike's arm. <laughs> Giles is like, got a towel over his eyes. And he's like, so the plan is to cure my total incapacitating blindness tomorrow, is it? And they're like, Buffy's like, you know, they were out of Tagus root. We'll get it tomorrow. No big deal. And Giles is like, oh, I have to deal with you guys for the rest of the night. 
And then they start kissing. <laughs> and Joss is like, stop that right now. I can hear the smacking. <laughs> Which I feel like is the writers trying to make fun of Sarah Michelle Gellar and David Boreanaz because they were so loud in the first couple of seasons of Buffy when they kept making out. And I feel like I that's just... more of the editor's fault. Like <laughs> The they sound editor taking that out. Yeah, I mean, they're just trying to make it look realistic and stuff. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, there was the biggest um, cricket on my floor, and it was jumping around, so I had to take care of it real quick. You're forgiven. It's okay. Uh, we're in the scene where Giles literally just said, "Stop that!" I can hear the smacking. Oh, dang it! I missed that. <laughs> That's the best part. I'm sorry. I love that. It's okay. You can keep that in. They can know I took care of a major cricket. The puppy asks what Spike would like to be called on the invitation. Do you want to be William the Bloody or just Spike? She's like, because either way, it's going to look majorly weird. And then he's like, where's the name Buffy? Gives it that touch of classic elegance. <laughs> and I love that even when he's in love with her, he still takes digs at her. And Buffy's like, what's wrong with Buffy? And Giles is like, such a good question. <laughs> he's like, someone please figure it out. And then Spike insults her mother. Your mother. Yeah, she's a genius. Hey, Spike, you like Joyce. She gives you those little marshmallows in, in your hot chocolate. I feel like this is like one of those things. Like sometimes Lee and I will argue, but we're laughing while we're arguing. This is like the same thing where it's like you're just throwing dicks at each other, but you don't really mean it. Like, you know. Then Tornado, Xander, and Anya come running in. Barricade the windows. Barricade the doors. And Giles is like blind. He's like, what's going on? I know Giles is like, they're bringing a war to my house. And I <laughs> He's like, why'd you come here? I know. <laughs> oh, gosh. They find out Giles is blind. And then Xander puts up his two fingers. And Giles is like, whatever you're doing, stop it. You smell like fruit roll. <laughs> <laughs> but I also love how Giles just knows. He's like, of course Sander would do something. And oh Spike gosh. over there is like, this is the crack team that foils my every plan. I am deeply shamed. <laughs> well, I oh my gosh. Anya or like Emma Caulfield who plays her. Like, yes. It's such a good, do you guys see her like her, I was watching her the whole time. She just kept like glancing at their hands by being like, why are you two holding hands? And her facial expressions the entire yeah. time were so funny while Xander's like, what? How? <laughs> What? <laughs> Three excellent questions. <laughs> That's my favorite part. Three excellent questions. <laughs> and then Xander's like, can I be blind too? Because <laughs> oh, they just start making out. Like they have no, they don't care about whoever is around them. Nope. <laughs> I feel like this is so funny. And I'm so glad that they really committed to this because I can't even imagine. Like I'll, I listen to um uh Office Ladies podcast. And both like Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey like talk about like like uh, Angela Kinsey's like really close with uh, um, Rain Wilson who plays Dwight, and so every time she's always like, it's just she's like, she's like, guys, I gotta be honest, as an actor, it sucks having to make out with like your good friend. She's like, it's just awkward. She's like, every time she's like, for years, it was always so awkward. I don't know, like, because if you're really good friends with them, it's got to be very weird. Whereas I feel like if you're not really close with them, you can kind of dissociate. But it's like if it's someone like you're like close with and you like really admire them as a person, it's got to be so awkward. I can really yeah. imagine like this would be like torture as an actor if you didn't like the person or if you were like or even if you're really close with them because you're like having to literally make out with them the entire episode. I think it's hilarious that Xander is the one that puts all the pieces together and realizes, oh, hey. I know. I'm glad they gave that to Xander. Yeah, I, I am too. With how much Willow was on him this this episode. So then they realize that Willow is probably the cause of all of this. Oh, and then Buffy's all like, oh, 
well, you guys must have all been affected and not me because I'm the slayer. (laughs) (laughs) That line makes me cackle. The fact that she was like, oh my gosh, you guys were all affected, but I wasn't. Sandra's like, like, yeah, right. You're marrying Spike because you're so right for each other. (laughs) And Spike's like, that's it. You're off the usher list. (laughs) He's not even in the wedding. He's an usher. Sandra would be an usher. (laughs) And then Giles is the one that's like, okay, guys, I'd like to not be blind anymore. Let's get Willow. She's still out there. She doesn't know what kind of havoc she's wreaking over there. Uh, back of the dorm room, Willow walks into her dorm and then Tahafran grabs her. And this part, like the whole like lightning and like the the lights and like, I was like, wow, this is sick. I was like, good job. Um, Buffy, Anya, Xander, and Spike are all arguing again down the dorm room hall. And then they walk into the room as well. And then they see the burnt hole in the floor and then Anya kind of explains to them that it was to Hoffren. Anybody notice Anya's platform flip-flops? Like, wow. Yes. So 90s. I know. Throwback. That with her hair, too. Which apparently Emma mm-hmm. Caulfield does not like her haircut. She didn't like it being that short. And really? she said that the, she said the producers didn't like it either. And so if you'll notice for the rest of the season, she's her hair seems longer. They put hair pieces in until her hair grew out. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well yeah, because we only see this haircut for like two episodes. Yep. Yep, because no one liked it. I think it's cute. I think it ages her a bit. I think she looks a little bit better with it longer. Well, and then Spike sees like an orange skirt of Buffy's and he's like, if you wear this at the rehearsal dinner, the whole thing's off. I will say that that skirt is not real cute. And Buffy has some really (laughs) cute outfits. Not when I was like, what is that? It looks like something Harmony would have worn, honestly. True. Wait, no. Actually, Harmony has some really cute fits. Do not put that on her. So Anya puts two and two together, realizes that Dehofren took willow i think anya realizes oh i think he wants her for a vengeance demon well and then in the demon dimension portal thingy um to kind of like telling her that he could feel her pain and call for vengeance um from like a mile away and then wants to recruit her which is such like i feel like putting that at the end of the episode you just you would never expect it. And then when it happens, you're like, the way that they kind of like edit it, you're like, oh, is she gonna take you? You're like, wait a minute, because it kind of cuts back as soon as he says that. Cause it, it it might feel like out of place or unnecessary, but I feel like it kind of gives us a glimpse of just how serious Anya's role of a vengeance demon it was. Um, and we kind of hear a little bit later, like when they're like in the graveyard or whatever, she's kind of filling them in, letting them know that he like found out that she was like doing all these spells against men and then kind of like basically hired her and then gave her powers. See, that was interesting because we then we're like, oh, Anya was human before she became a vengeance demon, which I feel like is a a major like character plot point. I will say though, my one thing, I don't quite understand why Dehofren, like he felt her pain, but he talks about how she has like a great spirit for vengeance. Willow wasn't trying to do vengeance in this episode, which is why I think it's a little bit odd. Well, maybe he didn't know the motives. All he heard was pain and rage. Yeah, he says you have a capacity for vengeance. I feel like it would have been more... It could have been potential. Yeah. Like he could have seen what she was doing and been like... He could have twisted hmm. it. Yeah. Right. But what I'm saying is I feel like if he was being called based on pain and vengeance alone, I feel like him coming in where the wild things are when she was going to do that spell to Oz and Veruca, I feel like that would have been probably more potent than here. I mean, in the long scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. Well, but the thing is, she didn't end up doing that right. spell. So he may have been watching for it. And then it's like, oh, right. she didn't actually go through with it. And this spell she actually did. And but the and her intent, 
she had the intent with Veruca and Oz, but she didn't follow through on it. But he didn't, and then she, her intent was not to hurt her friends in this, but she still did it. He mm. can't tell intent. He can only see the yeah. results. One place she did the spell, um, and another place she didn't. So after she'd actually yeah. completed the spell. He's like, there's a lot yeah. of pain, and you're the root cause mm-hmm. of it. Therefore, and it must be vengeance. That. Yeah. But, well, yeah, I yeah. think it's also like she did right. purposely say things to hurt people in the midst of pain in this episode mm-hmm. as well. So like she said things to multiple different people. Yeah. And hurt them. So even if she didn't intend it, like her heart was still feeling very like angry and vengeful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's true. That's And caused harm physically with all of them, like blindness and demon magnets and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Buffy sees a crypt and it's like, oh, a beautiful, pretty backdrop for a photograph. (laughs) Ew. I love how at this point people are just ignoring her. They're (laughs) They're not even paying attention anymore. Oh, gosh. And then these demons, I was like, the makeup did, team did really good. Like, the first demon that pops up in, cool. like, the graveyard, I was like, oh, he's kind of creepy. I was like, usually I'm not creeped out by the demons that pop up because I could just tell they're, like, I just, I'm like, these are people in makeup. But, like, this dude, I was like, oh, he he felt very, like, thickened. Like, if you were to yeah. fight him, it would hurt Verboding, you. Verboding, for yeah. sure. They're very creative. Sometimes I look at, like, how they, like, make them look a little bit different every episode. I'm like, man, you guys are so creative. All of these look so, like, unique and different. Like, I wonder how many different demons there are. They run into a crypt, and then Anya is doing a spell to conjure Toffren as they're barricading the door from the demons. She keeps forgetting the words. <laughs> And then back in the dimension, DeHoffren's showing her her friends. I've, that's such a kind of cool way. He's like doing it as if he's like unscrolling like a scroll. He's like, that was cool. here's my portable TV or my iPad. <laughs> he pulls out his iPad and is like, here you go. Well, and then she's like, well, I didn't mean to. And then she like politely declines and he's like, I'm sorry to hear that. And you're like, oh, no, what's he going to do? And he's like, I will. <laughs> here's my talisman <laughs> if you ever need here's me. Here's my card. Me. Yeah. Call me. Um, back at the crypt, they're still fighting all the demons. Demons end up making their way their way in. Um, they knock over Buffy. They knock over Anya, and then Anya fights back, kind of jumping on the back of like a demon. I mean, I was like honestly so proud of Alexander like, this episode. Like he's like really like he's defending holding all the, his own. the women, his girls. Like he's really going in on all these like demon, and they look like <laughs> they look like they could really hurt you. And he's like. Holding down the fort pretty well. Spike's like to Buffy, they're strong and I can't fight if they get in. I don't know if I can protect you. And Buffy's like, you think you have to protect (laughs) me? And he's like, oh, not with the girl power bit. (laughs) I was like, okay, Spike. Willow makes it back down. And she takes five billion years to say this freaking like spell. I was like, girl, (laughs) like just spit it out. Everyone's dying and you're sitting here saying it so slow. Um, and then everything kind of comes undone. All of it's kind of like convenient that all of them just disappear. Like they're just like fighting nothing. Spike and Buffy, like in the middle of the battlefield, just start making out while all the demons are around them. (laughs) Like, if we're gonna die here, at least we die together. It's so like cheesy and like comical. It's like perfect. Because it's like it also I think a little bit makes fun of Angel and Buffy. Because it's sure. like, it was always the end of the world, and so it was always right. like, we got to get in our last kiss, which I don't like blame them, I do too, but it's like, it, I think it's a little bit funny to see Buffy in that hyped up sense yeah. again. It's very right. funny. And then the, uh, I feel like this line is repeated by a lot of uh, 
Buffy and Spike fans, like the Spike lips, lips of Spike. And it says, Willow stands there sheepishly. Sorry, Willow. Hi, guys. Buffy spits again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. And then we go back to Giles' house probably the next day or so. Willow's making lots of cookies. Um, And then she tells everyone that she's like, well, I still have to detail Giles' car. I mean, darn honestly, straight. Honestly. That poor man went through a lot. Thanks, Willow. Yeah, he definitely went through the most. Everyone else had, like, kind of inconveniences. I mean, like, Xander made it out. Like, everyone else still had to fight his physical demons. Whereas, like, Giles literally had to be blind all in his own. Like, that would be, oh, that would be horrible. And he had to endure listening to Buffy and Spike <laughs> make out. True. <laughs> and smell Xander's fruit roll-up fingers. Well, and I can just tell that the anxiety that like Giles is feeling right now, he's probably having like Xander help him with his eyesight holding up <laughs> like stuff. See if he can well, and he tells he tells Willow, I still need glasses though. Guess you couldn't be more specific and give me 2020 vision. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I never I don't think I ever picked up that line until this rewatch. Um, and then she walks over and she offers him cookies, says, Oh, they're oatmeal. And Giles is like, Yes, very funny. I can see the chocolate chips in them. <laughs> Uh, and you could speak and see that Spike is tied up again. She gives Buffy <laughs> a cookie and they're back at like getting mad at each other. And he's like, don't I get a cookie? Buffy's like, no. He's like, well, I better have something. Still have Buffy taste my mouth. <laughs> and he's like, well, I'm not the one who wanted wind beneath my wings for the first dance. And everyone slowly <laughs> turns and looks at her. Now they know like weird personal stuff about each other. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> and then Buffy says... That she wants a forgetting spell and talks about how she's um, over the bad boy thing with Willow inside the kitchen. And then she's like, oh, gosh, I just mm-hmm. remembered my whole conversation. Riley with thinks I'm engaged. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, like, I'm like, oh, of course. This I hate on Riley. this last The fact scene. that he just, like, takes it oh, and is like, oh, okay. so bad. Like, oh, my come word. on. She's like, ha, 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 you thought I was serious? He's like, you weren't serious? And she's like, oh, right, I'm marrying a guy named Spike. And he's like, maybe. We haven't known each other that long. Poor Riley. I don't know why she didn't just try and be like, oh, I was drunk. Sorry. Like, something that That'd would, be like, worse, make, like... Or you say, hey, my, know, friends, like, my friends dared, dared me to do dared that. Be the yes, best, you know? yeah, yeah, rather than being like, it was a blatant joke. I'm like, that's so weird. But poor uh, Riley's being gaslit over here. He's like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, I guess. She's like, I just saw that fear in your eyes when you caught me looking at wedding dresses and had to give you a hard time. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, the dare would be the best one. I feel like a joke would, like, I feel like. I would still be kind of turned off to it because I'm like, man, you like kept going when you saw how like turned off I was because okay, I thought seriously. you were engaged. You know what I, I mean? I wrote that down too. I was like, okay, I feel like if I didn't know that th- that she was like this whole thing was because of she was magically induced or spelled and that she was the slayer, like that would be it for me. Like Riley should have alarm bells and red flags waving. Like he should be like, we're done. We're done. Mm-hmm. You're insane. Yeah, that'd be a little weird. It, it'd be different if it was like, because she could have played it off so much more so if it was Derek being like, sorry, like, like I had like a hundred bucks down on like this bet and they would only yeah. give back to me if I did this right. and I had to. Like, then it'd They'd be like, back her oh, up on okay. it. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Oh, this last line. <laughs> oh, gosh. You've got a lot to learn about women. And he says, you're going to teach me. <laughs> And the way he grabs her hair, you could tell that they just practiced and rehearsed that so much. It was so stiff. 
like straight just, the Harris arm traumatizing you guys showing you my hand. when you watch them it looks like they're acting it doesn't yeah, it look does. like it's natural and it's so awkward uh, I mean it's a bad line anyway. you could just tell the vibes it's after so each bad. scene is like good job buddy that was a good scene. Like, <laughs> where they're like just they, like they shook hands friends. afterwards, high five. <laughs> yeah. Like, well done, well they're done, colleagues. Mark Lucas. That's what well it done, like. Sarah. Yeah, we finished our scene. Oh, what an awful way to end a really good episode. <laughs> Luckily, it was only like it's a just minute. Riley, bro, they just don't do him justice. Yeah, it's such a bummer. But anyway, that was something blue. That was super fun. That's an episode I don't think I could ever get tired of watching. It just gets funnier and funnier every time I see it. So thanks so much for joining us, Kimberly. This was an absolute blast. Yeah, thanks for having me. My first podcast. It was a good time. Yeah, you'll have to come back. Let us know if there's ever another episode that you want to be given your insights. Ooh, I'm sure there's that. a few, maybe in like season six or seven that you might want to talk about, but you know. I know. What's into your on your rewatch? <laughs> Thanks so much, listeners. Definitely let us know what you think of this episode. Do you think it is the funniest one of the series, let alone the season? I feel like there's some pretty big contenders, but this is definitely high up on my list. So let us know what you guys think of the dynamics. What do you think of Buffy and Spike together? As always, guys, you can find us on Instagram, on TikTok, on Tumblr at Becoming Buffy Podcast. And you can email us at becomingbuffypodcast at gmail.com. And we will see you guys next time.